begin a day with the refugees, the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. The Dhamma practice, which is uh, somewhat broader than meditation practice, is about establishing the basis and then uh, getting the attitudes right. Then from there, selecting particular themes to focus on and give sustained attention to. Mm-hmm. Recognizing this def- these, what we sustain our attention on definitely has results. Both the, what we attend to brings topics, energies, feelings into our consciousness, into our awareness. And even the way that we sustain attention also has effects. If we sustain attention with a steady, caring attention, then there'll be that quality. If we sustain it with a flickering attention, it has that quality, gets embedded. If we sustain it with a impatience, then that quality is there. So, you know, we're quite careful about even what we give attention to and how we attend. We are beginning to 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 learn and deepen in terms of Dhamma. Certainly, what's the difference between meditation and obsession? What's the difference between meditation and just a, a kind of brainwashing? You just go into something and plug away at it. Wisdom is the difference. You know, you're actually recognizing anything you attend to has effects, bound to affect you. Those effects get established. And even the way that you give attention to things that has effects, that becomes a, a, a mode of operating, being. And uh, these have to be understood and, and considered. Mm. And generally, mode of operation of attention is to is to hold things, to go into something that we need to do or need want to have, and get strongly focused on it. And then we, when we've finished it, put that down, go to another thing, and so on. So our attention span is normally very much object-based, and depending on whether something is giving us degree of pleasure, satisfaction, calm or composure. <coughs> That's all the way it goes, you know, the way it is. But then there's always the next, isn't there? There's always the next one, which could be better, hopefully, than this one. And, you know, you can probably recognize uh, there can be uh, kind of almost a, like flipping through a book, whereby you know, always the background motivation is to get the next state, which will be better than this one. Okay. So have an experience and have another one after it, so you can build it up. And in the background, the, the assumption that, well, when I get this done, I'll get to the, to the better one, the next one, or plan for the next one. 
could be a vacation or whatever, something, get to the next one. But as soon as you get to that, you're planning for the next one. And you get to vacation, you're planning what you're going to eat. Even as you're getting something to eat, you're thinking what you're going to drink afterwards, then where you go later, and so on and so on. So it's like a scurrying through. And there's a certain sense of buoyancy that occurs through that ability before. Free to choose. How wonderful. I can go to the next, the next, the next. What great. How, how, how rich I am. How fortunate I am to be able to go to the next thing. So many options. Quite excited about that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, what happens when the music stops? When you come to a dead end situation like this. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the next thing? Well, the next thing is nothing. Actually, working on the habit of the, of the, the next thing is a habit. <laughs> and we don't really don't really recognise sometimes you can put something in that empty box, but when this next box is actually as empty <laughs> of, of progress, of good feeling, of the next is just, because there isn't a next. <laughs> it's just this, you know, and now. But the mind, it's, it's, it's caught in a rhythm whereby it's always imagining the next, and even as you get into as the next, as experience happens, we half taste it and we're, ah, oh, the next. We keep going like this, this is going to make me really good. You know? So, yeah, pleasant feeling, oh, the next, another one. Uh, sense of achievement, oh, great, now another one. Yeah, going in the right direction, getting somewhere, the next one. And then it'll be, you know, checkered flag or whatever it is. You know? There isn't a checkered flag. It's just a race that nobody wins. Except to stay in the race and, and, and feel this kind of buzzing along is what we call happiness. Buzzing along with possibilities of the next thing to happen, that's what we call fulfilling happiness. How full is it? If it's that full, why don't we linger in it? That full won't absorb into that. It's actually unhappiness. It's agitation, it's drive, it's movement. When you begin to contemplate that movement, it's just pulling onwards and onwards. to the next there's no completion there's certainly momentary highs and then 
next. But as long as one can keep having the next, then the 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 illusion is sustainable. So what's it like when you come to situations where music stops? Is that movement the next guarantee? Or is it just, uh, you know? Luck of the draw. You're in situations where there's plenty of sensory data available, one's advantage in that condition. Yeah, one can keep the music playing. It takes effort, takes energy, and it certainly eats up a lot of resources, both one's own uh, energies and the shared pool of planet of other human beings. What is that? Move into the next thing. If there's anything that uh, you know, just uh, you know, renunciation. Just there's no next. Is this, and this changes. Definitely changes. The qualities of it change. Yeah. But renunciation, just saying, well. What happens if you stop the music and let the sound of what happens play instead? Listening to the music of what happens rather than the music, the sounds, the songs of what of next, the music of what happens. It's a strange, different tone. <coughs> it's not triumphant. It's uh, but it's the music we need to hear. The sound of our hearts, minds. Certainly, listening to that, one hears or sounds quite a lot of incompleteness, uh, tentative, uncertainties. Uh, problematic experiences but also you listen to the listening you sense yeah there's something straight about this I trust that it's certainly not pleasant or not always pleasant anyway. But the intentionality has got an agreeable, resolute, calming, steadying, and increasingly enriched skillfulness in it. Begins a sense honesty, truthfulness, non aversion. Non-grasping, 
And this is the one to cultivate. This is the one to cultivate. Right intention, right attitude, right where we're coming, where I'm coming from. That's something I can have some say over. I can't really have finally ultimate say over what sounds, sights, sensations have come in. What other people do or say, I can't finally have a, be sure of that. So I'll give it up on that. Yeah, I mean, in a sense of just relaxing about that. I'll deal with it. Because it becomes more important to maintain right. I think I can do. Well, can't do that very well, but getting more recognized, rising up to that. Mm-hmm. I can be the patient. I can manage that. Just about. And certainly over, this is a graduated process, rather like gradually stretching, you know, first there's not much flex, then you've got to just keep leaning into it, it begins to give and flex, and the, the mind is eminently trainable if we get direct with it, and maintain that, uh, that uh, inclination, because it happens to be honest, and uh, to one's own welfare it doesn't harm others it doesn't take anything from others in fact it inclines towards sharing so I guess to give up the next you know, just be with it how it is and open, flex, adapt, you know, practice with that. This is called Dhamma practice. Practice with the way it is. Dhamma, this word, we see it occur in a number of places, sometimes in the English scripture, you have the capital D, meaning teaching, truth, Buddha Dhamma, Sometimes you have with a lowercase d, which just means translated as things or phenomena. And of course, the um, catch is that in the Pali language it didn't have uppercase or lowercase. <laughs> so there was no differentiation between, in some respect, between the Buddha's teaching and just the impact. Of a phenomenon. So, what's the unifying quality of it? It means direct, the directly experienced, directly experienced. And direct experience has a, an impact to it. Touches the jitta. There's an effect. That's called a direct moment. Direct experience. That's dhamma. That's a dhamma. Some are agreeable, some are disagreeable. Um, some have extremely uh, profound potential. Some dhammas just go a lot deeper, a lot further. 
and the Buddha Dhammaism is a Dhammas that direct experience is conducive to liberation. It's a way of uh, sustaining the Dhamma of the Buddha is a, is a right view, a right intentionality, or intentionality that goes, the impact of that goes deep. So, for example, when we cultivate a Dhamma of non-violence, the impact of that, the definite resolution around it, the sense of apprehending the quality and the feeling of that, that goes deep. This is why we can determine, say, non-violence or non or honesty, truthfulness, saying how it is. Because the that is a not just an idea or a theory, but it refers to a particular quality of intention. And intentions go much deeper than uh, sensations or perceptions which tend to flicker because intentions uh, carry quality of action potential for action what we we do that means it goes deeply in to this is a guiding line this is where the I sense arises that's an important point the eye sense is just a, a sense that gets ascribed to this moment when uh, potential for action arises. Uh-uh. It's that lifting moment. When you want to be there at that, what intention, what direction, what volition, what inclination is coming up at that point of, of oh, maybe we don't know it, but we, okay, what well, could that be? intention based upon non-cruelty to not dismiss, to not shrug off, to not denigrate, denigrate, to not um, belittle oneself or others because at that moment of intention there's no self rather there it's just that particular moment is the arising of jitta into action before we even find out where the action is going. It's just that rising into you know, the mode of behaviour now is one of non-cruelty, non-violence, non-harming, non-abusiveness. And then when then we start, well, given that, what kind of things do I even notice when my intentionality is based upon, you know, not holding on to sense contact into sense of impressions, not feeding on them, what kind of intention arises there? Actually, I don't really see things in that. I don't see things as attractive or unattractive. What's that? What's that? Painful. That's what it is. (laughs) Because it's the pull or or the pushing back. I don't want that. Because being pulled in is stressful, being pushed back is stressful. Who wants that? So instead, just focus on 
the allowing, the embracing, the opening to. This is this. Sensory world is this. I'm not going to clamour for it. I'm not going to fight with it. It's this. It'll be what it is. You know, maybe it's pleasant feeling arises or unpleasant feeling. Well, yeah, but they change. Doesn't mean they shouldn't happen, but they, they change. Okay, so it's not going to get this pleasant feeling and have another one, another one, another one, another one. No, a pleasant feeling, okay, that's fine. It can pass it. Unpleasant feeling, okay. It can pass because one isn't really taking a stand upon feelings based upon just what happens to you because that's pretty rickety. I mean, what happens to you could be any old thing. You don't want to get stuck on that because it's so uncertain. And, but there is another place you can go to, the direct experience of, of intention. To be attentive, to be receptive, to be alert to. To, to recognize the quivering of fear, hostility, threat, craving. No, just step back from that. So this is a this is a dominant that goes deep because it brings our jitta, our awareness off the edge of just what's coming, what's sense contact. Even its memories and perceptions, just data that's drifting down like rain. You don't get caught in it. It happens. But the most important thing, not just to sit there and let it dump on you, (laughs) but to have a sense of, right, okay, I'm rising up with some steadiness, some determination, some patience, some resolve, some, you know, kindness, goodwill. Or at least repudiation of ill will. Okay, what happens is what happens, and uh, I'll be with that. And then, when it's much, there's a certain quality that the pleasure that comes of of that. It is agreeable. It is because in there one feels steady, composed, calm, open, unopinionated not reactive. There's room for it all. You create room, you create space for it all, just by non-engagement in those unskillful bases or those <coughs> bases of action that don't go very far, like grasping hold, rejecting, favouring and opposing, doesn't go very far. I'm sure we all do plenty of it or done enough of it where does it go to? It goes to the next thing that one favours or opposes. <laughs> and as a, it goes on. You know? And so direct experience. Direct experience we can we can get this. It's sometimes a message is a little alarming at first. You don't recognise, you, know, you don't just, it's not just that 
all things are unsatisfactory and miserable. But <laughs> phenomena are incomplete. They don't finally satisfy you, otherwise you, you'd be satisfied already. You've had enough. <laughs> Tell you about 25, you've had enough. <laughs> you've, got, you've got the basic scoop of what's available. <laughs> That's why 15 or so. But it's just not anything wrong with it, it's just it doesn't do that. <laughs> the jitter is fundamentally not satisfied by that. It doesn't mean it's in anguish, it's just it's still hungry, it's still peckish. And you think, well, that's life. But no, there's something more than that. You don't, you could feel satisfied. <laughs> could be the ending of that, of that uh, nagging, what's next <laughs> experience. And then what's next? We'll see. Yeah. The direct experience, you, you, you can get this. But why, why do we not get it? Because, by and large, for the untrained, unfocused mind, or the mind that hasn't been instructed or informed, or, or whatever, or it is, we don't really see it that way. We see a world of possibilities and potentials and futures and other people and places and things out. Where's that? That's in your mind, that's something your mind is generating, isn't it? So no, it's not, if I go outside, it's definitely there. If. Well, that's an if, isn't it? An if is not, is a a possibility, that's all. Now, we're taking our refuge in direct truth, actual being, actual manifest existence, all that we sense is, well, the sensations and perceptions and mental creations. That, you know, you, you, they have a certain, they manifest, but are, are they guaranteed? Could you imagine yesterday what 5.15 this morning was actually going to have in it? Could you imagine at 5.10 what 5.15 is actually going to have Can you imagine what the next moment will have in it? Well, you can say, well, there'll be sensations, mental formations, perceptions. But <laughs> that really isn't good enough. <laughs> because that's what's happening now. So there's no next about it. It's the same thing. <laughs> And the quality of the feeling, tone, that seems so so important for us, well, it will be changeable. It will be variable. It will go from interesting to not so interesting, to agree to disagree, keep shifting, so. And we'd like it to be constantly agreeable, constantly, not just on a pure level of sense contact, but also a feeling you know, getting, learning something, getting somewhere, we're on the right track, and getting those, you know, zoning in, honing in on the rewards, results, and pleasures, and realizations, and ultimate truth and knowledge. Well, here you are sitting in some basement in Wisconsin. <laughs> 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 
The ultimate truth is just being absolutely honest. <laughs> it's like this now. And, and you know, be with it. <laughs> so there's a difference between the direct and the imagined, hoped for, possible, conceived of, uh, longed for however realistic or that is, it's just this the next moment and, and that's that's just a, a movement of the mind away from directness. This is the process of conceptual proliferation, papancha. There's always the you know, this means that goes. That's because she's one of he's like that. You know, categorization of experience into abstractions that we can install in our heads and take away. Right? And so, by large, the world is, people operate around that, storing up things as uh, in a conceptual way. And it's like, uh, and just that process of continuing to keep storing up. Impressions, but there's no final satisfaction. It's like eating menus. Doesn't matter how many menus you have, with all kinds of lavish dishes on them, doesn't fill you up because it's a, it's not direct. Awakening dhammas, dhammas that direct, that are prone to, uh, uh, inclined towards realization, not just realization but also fulfillment. It's called paramatta, which means for one's fullest benefit, the <coughs> ultimate benefit. So, even words like you know, truth and so forth. It's very conceptual, doesn't it? Truth is a is a concept, accurate idea, accurate description of things. Well, but such a isn't really that. It means the absolute, authentic honesty of how it is at this moment, recognizing it's only it's a it's a frame, it's a category which is, like other categories, it's, it's empty, it's open, but it doesn't go, it doesn't keep shaking and projecting into the next, it just sustains. And when you cultivate like that, uh, what's going to sustain that? Well, needs to be some sense of Support, confidence. This is okay. Trust it. You don't know. Trust it. Just give it a little more trust. Because you've seen other people do it. You've heard this is possible. You've perhaps been inspired by others who do that. So you've got some possibility of faith, and you constantly consider the people who do that. Actually, they are reliable people, or people you can respect. Okay, well, I'll give it a go. It's called faith, very important, 
support. We recollect, for example, the Buddha as a, as a presenter of this. See, well, you know, certainly many qualities there that we can respect. You know, somebody must have done all this, you know, to get all this stuff down. You know. Uh, to present this when you so you have some sense of faith or inspiration when you apply yourself put some energy into it what they say they're saying uh, maintain harmlessness maintain attentiveness maintain uh, non grasping is to be open to things they would just keep contracting around things this would be for one's welfare it's a very powerful process just to not contract grip accumulate it has very profound effects on the way the mind operates first the mind feels very unsteady with all that like give me something to hold on to you know what's there to hold on to well just just step back a little bit and experience the quality of openness itself that's for it can be frightening anxious because i want something to feel you can feel empty not enough yet well just wait a little bit with that and you begin to see in the openness you can detect because the mind is no longer so cluttered and so cramped and so speeding onwards well just, okay, just you detect the presence of your own of this body as it, happens, as it arises in consciousness see where you get most steady so you learn specific application with the intention to just stabilize in this shaky present to find something that even though it's changing it's got a steadying tone to it you go for the tonality of steadiness ground because you realize you know the mind finds it very difficult without that it's very difficult not to just start spinning out grabbing remembering planning predict you know just finds it very difficult to, to sustain so just give it some support that's kind and support here isn't going to cost you anything apart from a little effort it's not going to take me from anyone else maybe they get bored you that's about it <laughs> <laughs> but you can there's something that you, you can be with for a lifetime uh, breathing in breathing out it's going to go on until the show stops but it's time round anyway so that's a fairly good investment there may be another breath there's a possibility if there isn't then there's no worries either because it <laughs> won't be there <laughs> so you know just to, to be with, with that the fullness of that and realize yeah it's not so exciting or interesting or stimulating but it does train one to deepen attentiveness and to sustain a quality of deep listening and being with and also 
um, appreciate and begin to be enriched by steadiness rather than bored by it. The mind becomes more sensitive and we experience in this very body when it's breathing we experience something that's helping us to release profound ingrained habits of grasping attention attention that holds on to things attention that's feverish for another thing attention that gets restless and impatient attention that just gets bored and indifferent attention that spin out into speculation so yeah it's helping us to release that the mind is steady clarified because of that it becomes far more um, reliable it's found some ground therefore it's not constantly seeking something to give it ground because it's there if we don't have that we must because we must if we don't have that inner ground we must try to find that sense of solidity in accumulation of sights, sounds, tastes, touches projects, ideas, opinions, views because you know the mind is a fundamental need for that for for ground because it has none and without that we just can't organise it's madness and it's uh, you know and you can see this you know, when people really lose it panic outrage you know, fundamentalism who are just spinning out into total theories and fantasies based upon fear, panic, craving opinionatedness what's that? madness literally the mind without solid substantial ground without grounding is mad it's not mad in a derogatory sense I mean almost like a sense of compassion for that lost creature it's going to do all kinds of harm Gaining some ground, direct experience of it, not an idea of it, but ground is in this moment when you're pausing, steadying, releasing what you find, what's there. And track it, because the body, the body also is sympathetic to that, and we experience that in the sense of the out-breath, the sense of having support, physical support beneath our bodies, the sense of having, occupying a place, it's here, it's the sense of here-ness, bodies do that, minds don't do that, so the mind picks up its sign from the groundedness of the body. You want to make that something that becomes pretty much a basic uh, discipline or training. Get grounded. And then 
from there your mind picks up that tone that quality oh, this other stuff is just if and maybe and but and possible and should not where's that? Yeah. what's that? how useful is that? and then grounded mind recognizes these formations are impermanent it doesn't take a stand on them or reject them just the openness of that this is called release ground of the mind is release and the deathless the Buddha the deathless is just this it's the mind free from grasping it's not so it's a occasion when one of the disciples said describing all the different levels of refinement and absorption that one could be in jhanas and infinite consciousness and so forth and the Buddha said yeah if you want to grasp something that's those are the best things to hold on to but the mind's deliverance from grasping this is death this is the deathless it means that intention that reflex to hold is relaxed we need some support with that so there's a path to the deathless and it attention dhamma stability calm groundedness picking up body rhythm through breathing definitely these are tracks there may be other tracks but this is a main path main track because in this breathing body we begin to find something that's alive flowing we can trust and it also has the effect of being to spread through the body that has experienced karma results of karma in terms of its numbness and constrictions and its uh, openness these messages get embedded in the body breathing spreads through the tissues the somatic presence with its jitteriness and awkwardness and anxietiness and depressed begins to brighten that don't have to explain it but you know you feel brighter you know you feel more spacious you know that certain reflexes to defend, to get away to get to the next stop
right intention, attitude, approach, and then we that always gives us the, the possibility to choose. We're choosing what, not uh, what now causes afflictive dhammas to decrease, dhammas that obscure, uh, blind, distract, what sustains, what now can sustain dhammas, direct experiences that caught that <coughs> conducive to calming, to opening, to realization. Then you pick up the signals from your, your jitta where it's struggling, where it's brightening, and that's what you follow. Messages coming from the heart. So now it's time for to follow your your star, and uh, if you to be here at six forty-five, then we'll um, conclude the morning session.